Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Uh, we are here to preview the Portuguese Grand Prix this weekend, so looking forward to that. Uh, I am Tom, as most of you know, and I am joined by Chris. Hello. Yeah, no Stu this week, sadly. He's busy doing adult grown-up things. <laughs> the the Stu moving house saga continues. <laughs> yes. He now has keys uh, in his hand. Things are going yes. well. Things have evolved further. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about a bit of a look ahead to the race and everything. Got some little bits of news to cover. It's mainly sprint qualifying and just a couple of like other little bits to tidy up. But I'll, I'll let Chris go through them because Chris is always the the news guru. <laughs> the news when hound. It comes to news. Yeah. Uh, big news, I would say. Actually, um, in this in, is in a rare event, news has been confirmed sort of about an hour before we started recording. It normally waits yeah. until a day after. Uh, as sort of has been predicted, sprint qualifying has now been approved by the F1 commission. Uh, unanimously, apparently, voted mm. for by all 10 teams, F1 and the FIA. They've said it will take place this year at three rounds, two European and one non-European, but they've um, not decided exactly which ones they will be just yet. And we have lots of details on them, so we can actually dig in and discuss what they've come up with. Yeah, how do you want to do this? Should we go through like, should we go through the whole list and then discuss, or should we maybe discuss the points at each stage? I don't know. How let's do go through it? and we can just dive in when we see fit, I suppose. Okay, let's do that. So the race is going to be 100 kilometers long. Um, so for context, Grand Prix are normally 305 kilometers. So it's going to be roughly third distance. They're aiming for sort of 25 to 30 minute races. Yeah. Uh, no tire change requirements and DRS rules will be as normal, which... Feels about right, 25 to 30 minutes for a sprint race. Yeah, it's it's about the same sort of reduction you get between the sprint race and the feature race and stuff like F2. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the redu- because the feature race for F2 is slightly shorter anyway, it's not exactly a long race, is it? Their race is usually sort of 30 minutes-ish. Yeah, 30 to 40. 30, 40, depending yeah. on the track. So like their sprint races tend to be somewhere in the region of like 15 minutes, maybe 20, depending on the circuit. So it's a similar reduction, I guess. Yeah, sounds about right. Mm. Uh, as we sort of already knew, the result of what they're calling sprint qualifying will decide the grid for the Grand Prix on the Sunday, which will mm-hmm. continue as normal. But one thing that hadn't really been discussed fully before is that the grid for the sprint qualifying race will be decided by a normal qualifying session, which will take place Friday afternoon. So they're still going to do the normal full Q1, Q2, Q3 qualifying, but that'll be happening on Friday. That'll decide the grid for sprint qualifying on Saturday, which will decide the grid for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Got that? No. <laughs> <laughs> so so the full format for the weekend, because the whole weekend's been shaken up here, <clears throat> the full format yeah. will be normal 60-minute FP1 on Friday. Cool, got it's, it. It's probably going to be Friday lunchtime-ish rather than morning by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. They're then going to do normal qualifying, as I said, on Friday. And F1 have said they're going to try and make the qualifying later in the day so people you know, who have jobs can potentially still watch it kind of in a late afternoon, evening kind of slot rather than yeah. middle of the day you, qualifying on Friday. You don't want to be taking that away from people, really. Exactly, yeah. it. Then Saturday morning, 60-minute free practice two. 
Saturday afternoon will be your spring qualifying race, and then Sunday Grand Prix as normal. I find that interesting that you you practice. You've got to practice between qualifying and the race. Mm. That's yeah, that's interesting. Yes, they've jumping ahead a bit. They've changed the park Fermé rules around to kind of work with that. So at the end of practice one, cars lend to park Fermé, so they can't make any changes before qualifying but then between qualifying and fp2 they come back out of park fermi um so certain not not completely but certain components they'll yeah. be able to change before then the uh spring quality race and then after that obviously they are locked into park fermi for the race itself there's also so we, we're losing on. a free we're losing a free practice session essentially here then aren't we yeah. in exchange of the race essentially yeah which i mean We've been saying for a good amount of time that FP3 is the first thing we'd get rid of anyway. So, yeah, I like. I mean, at least you're getting a session out of it as well. You're getting you're getting something tangible out of it, aren't you? You're getting a race. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Then there's also tire rules have had to change because of all of this. Mm. So each car will have 12 sets of tires for the weekend, which I think is actually a couple of sets less than they normally have for a normal weekend. So FP1, uh, two sets per car, free choice mm-hmm. for the teams, what they have. Qualifying, every car has five sets of tires and they are all soft tires. So every car will do okay. Q1, Q2, Q3 only on soft tires. Okay. FP2, they get a single set of tires, again, of the team's choice. The sprint qualifying race, two sets of tyres, again, complete the team's choice. Although, as I said before, there's no, they're not being given two sets of tyres because they have to make a pit stop or anything like that. It's just, yeah, it's more that to choose from. If you want to go soft, soft, or you, you could basically, it means you, you could play pit stop games. Yeah. If which, you wanted to. Which happens in F2 in the sprint races sometimes, doesn't it? Someone will yeah. do a, a risky pit stop strategy rather than a normal one. Yeah. Um, then Grand Prix, they get the remaining two sets of tyres. Um, the big change is that because qualifying is all soft tyres, the rule where you have to start the race on your Q2 tyre is gone. So for yeah. the Grand Prix on these weekends, the teams can start on whatever tyre they want. Now, the weird thing about this list is it makes it sound like, the way F1 have written this makes it sound like they only get two sets of tyres for the Grand Prix. That is exactly what I took away from that what, immediately when we were just reading it there. What I think they mean by this is every time on this list they say the team gets two sets of tyres, I think what they are kind of meaning is they get given two from their allocation, but all the ones yeah. that previously used, they keep. Because you can't surely say you only get two sets of tyres for a Grand Prix because that's basically saying everyone has to one-stop. Well, that's that's kind of how it works at the moment, isn't it? Like, I I will have to double check, but I'm pretty sure you don't get all your tires immediately. No, you don't. And there's there's also certain sets that are taken back off you after sessions. Yeah, I believe there's it's something like there's one or two sets that you only get in Q2 or Q3. There's one mm. or two sets you only get given in the race, and yeah, they have to give some back after practice sessions. So. I think this is what they mean by this. I think they've just done a bad job of explaining the new tyre rules, to be completely honest with you. Because 
Yeah. You can't say you only get two sets of tyres for a Grand Prix. So, That's so just he, a bit silly. Essentially, those, I guess, in theory, what you would probably do is your two sets that you get for your sprint race, you would probably take a, a set that can do that 100-kilometre distance twice and you'd use the second set in the main race the next day. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, if that maybe. Is, if that is the logic. Or you'd only I, use one of those two sets and you'd have a, the other one left as a fresh set, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit confusing that. I think they're going to have to clarify that because I don't believe for a second they actually mean only two sets for the race and only one set for FP2. Like You can't do a whole 60-minute practice session with one set of tyres, surely. I'm assuming that compound choice is still restricted to a designated three that Pirelli will define for the weekend. That's they haven't okay. said one way or the other. I believe the fact that they haven't said anything about that makes me believe that it will stay the same. The only, yeah. as I say, the only specified bit is qualifying is only five sets of softs. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, so they've also said there's not going to be a podium for sprint qualifying, but they will like give a trophy to the winner in the pit lane, kind of like they do with the um, the pole position award, the Pirelli thing after qualifying normally so they'll just do something like that i'll just clarify so at the moment at the moment teams hand back um different sets of tires over the course of a weekend one set goes back after the first 40 minutes of fp1 and then another set goes back at the end of fp1 two sets go back at fp2 and two sets go back at the end of fp3 so you end up with seven sets available to cover qualifying and a race Yes, it's it's got to be something like that, hasn't so it? So that that's how it currently works. Yeah, um, it has to be. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So as I said, no podium for sprint qualifying. The winner will get some kind of award just given to me in the pit lane, uh, and there's going to be points for it. The top three will get three points for first, two points for second, one point for third. And that is in. It's interesting that. It's only so few positions get points rather than the, the traditional, well, I say traditional, it's not always been like that, but the current 10 places, but maybe doing half point. I, I guess they're trying to make it not have too much of an impact on the championship until they decided if it's a permanent thing. Yeah, and all the things I've released, they've, they've all been talking a lot about not wanting to take away from the Grand Prix. Like the Grand Prix, want, they want that to remain the main event. So obviously mm. that's where the big points are. Um, I don't know. What do you think on the whole? Because I, I have several concerns. <laughs> I think my only reservation is that the format, as I understand it, basically means Lewis Hamilton gets to win two races a weekend instead of one. It's because like... it's qualifying as normal. Then that is the grid for the sprint qualifying race. So if he then won that race, he would just go into the Sunday race still on pole, but with three extra points in his yeah. back pocket. <laughs> it's like we said last time we talked about this. All it kind of is really is making the race a third longer and sticking an mm. overnight red flag into it 100 kilometers in, basically. It's... Yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I'm happy to see how it pans out because... Mm-hmm. I think that the obviously 
the likes of your Hamiltons, your Verstappens, and so on, like those front-running drivers, this is a preservation race for them. Mm. They need to maintain position with limited damage to to the vehicle and like yeah it's it'll be an interesting situation because obviously if they get caught up in anything they then have an issue where they start the the main race on a sunday the grand prix somewhere down the order or even at the back Mm -hmm. making sunday a lot harder i think that's a big problem with this they they're trying to talk this up as like oh this is going to be like an exciting like nope it stops 30 minute dash but no one's going to take any risks, are they? Because I mean, I think teams would lower down the grid. Will yeah, I, I think your midfield teams might try and push to get like a top five starting position. But because then... we know, we know some of those cars have decent race pace when they're full of fuel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could see like a McLaren starting second and third. Well, I mean, you'd see that with qualifying anyway, potentially at the minute. Yeah, true. So. Yeah, but then because you're basing the grid for the sprint qualifying on normal qualifying, none of those teams are ever going to be anywhere near the guys at the front to take any risks with them anyway. It, yeah. I don't know, the, the cynic in me can't help feeling like the only way they've got the teams to agree to this is to agree to the most kind of sanitized, safe version of it that's probably not yeah. going to work and they'll get rid of it anyway. <laughs> It's it's fairly linear, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's basically, if you or your car or combination are fast, you still benefit. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, like if you look at a series like FP, F2 and F3, you're looking at a situation where you qualify and then you, you're racing and, yeah, you may be fastest in that race, but then you've got to prove yourself from eighth in the next race and then... You, you've then got another shuffler. It's, F2 is even more complicated. Yeah, F2 is very complicated but, these days. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you, I guess the difference there is it's equal machinery. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm happy to let it run and see how it does work out, but I can't see it providing much other than it's just another opportunity to see the cars racing to some degree yeah um so whether it'll stay or not is another matter and that's my concern is that they've they've all agreed on the version that's probably not gonna be that popular so it'll just get binned again um like this this the whole idea of having sprint races it needs some it needs something that's going to shake up the order of the grid and there isn't anything here it's Let's let's start with qualifying, which is by definition putting the cars in speed order, and then yeah. it doesn't matter how many races you have after that. They're probably not going to change order all that much. No more yeah. or less than a normal race. It's it's just making the race a bit longer with a gap in the middle. Mm. I mean, I think to a degree there'd be an argument for qualifying remains qualifying and sets the order for the for the Grand Prix. And this race is some sort of reverse championship race because then you're giving your slower teams an opportunity to try and hold on at the front mm. and earn some points. Like, albeit there's only a handful of points there, but it gives them an opportunity. Maybe like 
move this down to like top five get points or yeah. something and and basically do a reverse championship order and then you are going to get like you're going to get some entertainment then because it you, you're going to be forced to see Lewis Hamilton Max Verstappen I mean like Lando Norris at the minute people like that having to fight their way through the field mm. Charles Leclerc they're all going to have to fight their way through from the back to earn any of these points now whether or not they'd go full pelt to get those points but I mean I think that the the races in them probably would but that, because yeah, but that'd be great they see watch, points it, that, that yeah they see points there that they can take away from rivals like that's mm. just how racing works so. that adds a risk reward element that this that come yeah. up with is kind of at least for the, the guys at the front it's missing like you say like the guys in yeah. the middle and towards the back there is very much a risk reward that I think is going to play out but if anything, mm. and if anything, the fact that they're awarding points as well for this, I know it's like minor points, but it's kind of just going to make the gap between the top two or three and the rest even bigger, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, that all, all I can see this potentially achieving is when, for example, you have a race where some of the guys further up drop out and like both Hassas finish or both Williams finish or something like that, and they sort of finish kind of on the cusp of points like 11th, 12th, 13th, they're suddenly starting in the middle of the pack rather than at the back. Yeah. I would say those that don't finish the sprint race and DNF behind them, if they're then starting the Grand Prix from the back, they're probably going to swallow them up within two laps anyway. Exactly, yeah. And also you you don't want to... just be back in square one. Plus you don't want to be having to rely on DNFs and reliability issues and stuff to yeah. get racing like that's yeah i don't know as you said like i'm totally open to seeing how this plays out and i i'd like the idea of f1 playing with the format then and trying things but i just think they've started in the most that it, it, i can't help feeling like they're just setting it up to fail from day one yeah it feels a little bit neutered doesn't it very like, much so yeah the, the there's elements there that we could have had potentially that have kind of been neutered from day one. Yeah. Uh, but but like you say, I think that is maybe the only way that certain teams will agree to it. I, th- I think you, I think your likes of your Williamses and co probably would agree to pretty much anything at this point because mm. it's, it's an opportunity for them. Whereas your Mercedeses, your Ferraris, your Red Bulls, they won't want to know. And I mean, even arguably at the minute, McLaren might have been potentially a no, depending on the exact format of this. Yeah, definitely. They're on their way back. So, yeah. Like Ross Braun's official comments, like, although obviously, you know, he, he towed the line and said all the right things that everyone says, there was also a lot of kind of, we're trying this, we'll see how it works. We might tweak it, we might drop it, we might yeah. extend it kind of thing going forward. So... Yeah, I mean, we'll go into it an open mind. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not holding out a ton of hope, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. Like, I don't want to seem like we're knocking this before it's even started because I don't think that's what we're doing. I think we're just being realistic as to we think it could work, but it's maybe not quite right yet. I just like them to have been a bit more bold. Like, yeah. let's yeah. try something a little bit more out there. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if it, if it works to some degree, 
you might find them taking some of those steps, hopefully. I mean, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. If it does work to some degree, that they do kind of run with it and then make some of those bolder steps, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing is, what's their definition of works? Is it just, mm-hmm. do they get more people watching this than they would a normal qualifying session? Yeah, I get... the. That'd be the thing is, I mean, a lot of people tune in on a Sunday for a race and don't watch qualifying, let alone practice sessions. So I guess the viewing figures for these Saturday races against a qualifying session and then how many viewers they lose by moving qualifying to a Friday. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd honestly expect that's kind of a metric to, that they would use. Because as part of this Ross Braun quote, he said, uh, Friday's really for the aficionados at the moment. Watching a practice session on a Friday is fun, but there's no conclusion to it. But on a Friday now at these selected events, we'll have the excitement of the qualifying format. But then... Like, yes, watching practice sessions is very much like a, a hardcore fans thing, but also not everyone has the luxury of being able to sit at work and watch FP1 like we do. Yeah. And is that, how much of the reason is that? And are you just taking qualifying away from those people? Exactly. Again, we're only talking about three races of the season, but still it's... It's food for thought though, isn't it? I think if you lost a considerable considerable amount of viewership on qualifying because of the move you have to consider the the, the structure of it mm-hmm. now whether that be that you have qualifying and the race on the saturday uh, and that that fp2 session instead of being stuck between qualifying and, and the sprint race is it's two practice sessions on the friday as it would have always been and then it's qualifying and a, and a short race on a saturday rather than um, rather than having that practice session on the Saturday, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I would be very interested to see viewing figures. Mm. Wesley in the live show chat has just made a really interesting point. He said, as someone on the west coast of the US, I like the new schedule. How much of the schedule changes may be geared towards bringing in more US viewers? I hardly ever watch FP one and two because of uh, the timing and qualifying. Really depends on my Friday night, which is a really interesting point because. Uh, F1, you know, it's it's no secret that Liberty want to push it in uh, America as much as possible. So, yeah, if these schedule changes make it more um, reasonable times for people there, there's, there's, yeah, I bet there's a, a part of that to it. I'd I'd be interested to know if if Wesley gets a chance to answer this while we're talking about other things, but I would be interested to know if how watchable. Uh, like a Friday evening qualifying session would be because obviously Friday evening here to us, if it was like say 6 p.m. to or something around that time, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Because in honesty, I think that's when they're going to have to think about timing it for European viewers mm, yeah, to, be, to. to not be like in that general nine to five working window at the time. That's probably falling around what, like 10 a.m. on the West Coast? ish i mean if it's if it's 6 p.m here it's 10 a.m west coast i do yeah. believe that my math is right there of an eight hour difference lunchtime ish uh east coast yeah so it obviously depends because that just falls into the time when me and you and and everyone are sort of sat at work sometimes able sometimes not able to pay attention to 
FP1 and FP2, That's- at least for an American audience. So it's like, does he actually achieve that possibility of an American audience being able to see it, I guess? I look forward to... Um... If, if these weekends are also at the point when we're back to having like <clears throat> Friday night beers in a pub, being the person <laughs> who's like, oh, could you put uh, Sky Sports F1 on, please? <laughs> I mean, we did get the American GP on that time in that London sports bar. Yeah, we did. We did actually. get them to put that on for the for the three of us, for me, you and Stu. <laughs> I forgot about we that. did get them to put the, the American GP on the big screen. <laughs> but on only ours. because there was literally oh, was nothing it, else going was on. It, qualifying or was it i can't remember if it was a saturday night or a sunday night it was quali i think yeah i think it was quali maybe not the race but even still we walked into a sports bar and got them to use their main screen for the us gp weekend that was a good one (laughs) yeah wesley said 6 p.m your times 10 a.m my time um 1 p.m eastern time so an early lunch allows me to watch it live Uh, us in the us will find a way to watch if we really want to (laughs) i think that's it and i think the that's the same globally isn't it like if people really want to watch it they will find a way to watch it um i mean yes it's it's a shame for people that struggle but people do find a way Mm. like when you want to watch i don't know aussie supercars here in the uk you have to be up at some ridiculous times i mean i feel for every australian f1 fan because at least at some point they had <laughs> the sort of Asian and Australasian sort of section of the calendar where races were an okay time for them. Yeah. Now they've basically got nothing except Australia. And that's like the only one that's at a good time for them. Yeah, last year they had literally nothing. Yeah, so... But it's true, like, it's, it's a really good point. And, like, F1's push in America is definitely going to be going on. Like, Zach Brown has said off the back of the Miami Grand Prix announcement that... Um, he'd like to see Indianapolis come back and have three races a year over there. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not outside the realms of possibility, especially with, you know, you've got like Grosjean's gone over there as an XF1 driver now into IndyCar. Kevin Magnussen's over there doing IMSA and stuff. Like it's a a very much a growing sport over there. They're going to push it as much as they can, I think. I think the only thing for me is I don't remember Indianapolis ever being a good race. Apart from that bizarre one with the tyres, but that wasn't... was just because only six cars yeah. ran. And they didn't even all finish, I don't think. Yeah. They? <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that infield circuit is still the same these days, but it's been a long time as far since as I know they were there. So. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess we've kind of covered that for now. Uh, yes, I think we just about have... Um... I just noticed, just very quickly, I just noticed uh, Bunty in, in live chat just saying, I noticed, uh, I'm happy you, you're documenting your opinion for when eventually this ends up as standard quality reverse championship sprint race feature race. <laughs> um, I mean, it would be interesting to, in a year's time, if this be- if like something like this becomes the norm, and we're all like, oh, this is amazing, da, 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 come back and listen to our cynicism <laughs> <laughs> and scepticism. <laughs> either that or it'll just have failed miserably and we'll just be completely gone and no one ever talks about it ever again like the bizarre qualifying format that tried to bring in a couple of years ago yeah definitely uh let's move on to some other bits and bobs and news they're knocking around uh red bull have signed ben hodgkinson from mercedes as the technical director of their new powertrains division uh he leaves his current role as head of mechanical engineering at Mercedes-Benz High Performance Powertrains where he's been for over 20 years. 
Um, Red Bull, as we know, are taking over the maintenance production of the Honda powertrains at the end of this season. But they said that this uh, hire highlights their desire to kind of move into developing their own power unit for the next set of regulations. Yeah. Um, And I mean, let's face it, a guy who's spent 20 years as a head of mechanical engineering is not going to move to a job where he's just maintaining existing powertrains is he like it's uh yeah it's a big statement of intent for them um especially as well like where he comes from with it being the mercedes-benz side of things there's hmm. obviously been some significant um success there for yeah so it's a for where he's been it's a big high of that um yeah. but it, it bodes well for future like when honda dropped out there was definitely a potential series of events where red bull just called it a day and peaced out but yeah, it's, it's good to see them committing and making big hires like this, and you know they're they're building this uh, powertrains division at their factory yeah. in Milton Keynes. I hope it works as well as it potentially can. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Uh, next bit of news. Um, oh yeah, this is a this is a fun one. Uh, Kevin Magnussen and his father Jan Magnussen are. They've been talking for years about wanting to race at Le Mans together one year, and they're finally going to realise that dream this coming year. Uh, at this Le Mans, which I think is in June or July, the dates moved around a couple of times. Uh, they're going to be sharing an LMP2 Areca. Uh, it's going to be Kevin Magnussen's Le Mans debut, but the 23rd time his dad has entered. Um, and I think he's got like four LMP2 class wins to his name over the years. Yeah, I don't think he's ever he's, he's never been in a team for the big one, has he? But no, I think he's only ever done LMP2. If he, he's definitely right. had wins at class level, definitely. Yeah, it's super cool. That's gonna be great to see a, a father son team. Um, I just I just hope that we get like those two and like the Brundles together. Yeah, I mean it's it's a shame that Damon Hill's son decided that racing wasn't for him. Yeah. Like, he, he got through some of the junior categories and then kind of just realised it wasn't. It, I think, like, there was a bit of a, I should race because my dad's Damon Hill mm-hmm. kind of vibe to it. Um, and it just wasn't for him. And it, it's a shame in a way because it would be nice to see, like, all these, like, father-son yeah. pairings come through together. The uh, Alexis maybe they all, as well would be a good combo yeah, somewhere. because, like, they all, all, obviously all the dad side of those kind of, somewhat race together over different bits or at least they all overlap in some kind of way which is kind of cool so yeah they're cool to see speaking of uh john lacy did you see what he's been up to this weekend just gone no what did he do or what has he been up to <laughs> it was the uh, monaco historic grand prix this weekend just gone okay and he was uh leading the race in a Ferrari, what was it? Ferrari 312B3, which was, um, it's like one of the mid-70s um, Nicky Lauda Ferraris. Yep, yep. Um, being chased down by someone who's now I've forgotten in a Lotus 77. Um, yep. And they... It looked like they touched, but it was kind of as a result of Alacy getting a bit leery out of the final corner. And basically, Alacy just stuck this classic Ferrari into the pit wall at Monaco and caused a not insignificant amount of damage to it into wow. what I can only assume is a priceless car. Oh, yeah. yeah. Must be, surely. I bet they have some fairly uh, hefty insurance on those things if they're going to go racing with them. Though It is mad, though, to watch. Like, Let's take some of the most 
sought after classic F1 cars in history and race them around Monaco of all places. Yeah, where mistakes will punish anyone, even some of the best drivers like, in history. It was mad enough uh, a couple of years ago when we were at Silverstone and we saw the classics race there, like racing those cars around there, but at least there's acres of runoff if they make a mistake. At Monaco, there's just like no room for error whatsoever. <laughs> Can I just point out, I have found a video of this, this thrilling battle and I'm watching it as we talk about it. Um, and but the title on the video is Marco Werner takes out Jean Alesi <laughs> after throwing battle. I so think that's... they're saying that it was all his fault. It's mm, never Alesi's fault. I'm not so sure about that. I'm, I'm waiting for you to get to that point. Oh, I've just seen him hit the wall. I see it. <laughs> I see it. Uh, but yeah, that that is awesome to see those cars going around. It also actually highlights how ridiculously big the modern F1 it car really is compared to these. Does, doesn't it? Like. These things look like go-karts in yeah. comparison round of circuit like Monaco. It's, it's, it's insane. It really, really is. They also yeah. seem to be um, using like classic rules as well because after he crashed, he just like got out of the car, took his helmet off, and then just like stood next to his car by the pit wall for a bit, just watching the other cars like racing past him <laughs> before we finally climbed so through the, the pit wall. So the safety regulations are at <laughs> 70 yeah, exactly. as well by the sounds of it. Uh, uh, yeah, I love. I do love stuff like that. I will try and watch it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and then last bit of news. It's a brief one. It's a good one. Suzuka is staying on the calendar until at least 2024. Woo. Which is very good news. We, um, we do like Suzuka here. Yeah. Um, Honda, I think, are sponsoring the race this year as their kind of like part of their farewell from F1 <laughs> season. Um, yeah. But yeah. So will it actually be, officially be the Honda Japanese? I believe so, yeah. Or something. Um, for this year at least. Uh, not sure about the next few years, but yeah, we've got... Um, couple more years of it which is great news hopefully be, be ironic if they were sponsoring the race until 2024 but not partaking directly in the sport anymore yeah i'll be very because surprised if handed that the case. engines over so yeah interesting it would cool just news, uh, look to sponsor the race and then red bull turn up and win it with what is yeah. their engine but it's not called a hunter engine yeah uh but yeah that's that's all the the main news bits going on cool let's week. let's have a little bit of a look forward to Portugal then. Um, it seems so weird it, to say we're going back to Portugal. Like after last year, yeah. I was convinced that was going to be like a one-off, but I'm very happy yeah. about it. I mean, knowing our look, we're now we're doing that thing where we get excited. <laughs> so you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Uh, no, storylines though. So a good one for this weekend is are Mercedes and Red Bull still going to be as close together? Because we've seen some genuine competition now between, I mean, mainly Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, but I mean, even Checo, even Sergio mm-hmm. Perez has been unlucky, but shown a lot of pace in the Red yeah. Bulls. So do we think that they can maintain that in the Algarve? I mean, I've not heard anything about teams bringing upgrades, so... I don't think there's going to be like any massive changes to either of them. Um, mm. I'd say this track characteristically is probably more of a Bahrain than the Nimala. Is it fair to say? Yes. Um, yes, I would say so. But I mean, both tracks they were very. Although close, it's, so. I mean, it's 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 quite fast and sweeping through a lot of parts here. So I mean, that kind of panders to. Well, some sectors of Bahrain mm. for sure. 
And um, I mm. mean, last year in qualifying, Verstappen was only like two and a half tenths off Hamilton. So they were already pretty close there last year. Yeah. It bodes well. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to think back to last year and, and like we say, you know, Max was there or thereabouts, mm-hmm. wasn't he? I mean, fair enough, Lewis ended up winning the race, but Max wasn't that far away when it came to, to qualifying pace, like you say. And um, that Red Bull looks closer in that respect this year. Like, I think, I think everybody at Mercedes, Hamilton included, was quite surprised that he got the pole position he did last time yeah, out. Yeah, really surprised. Um, like, I we get, we normally get those stereotypical get in there, Lewis kind of moments, but there was like a genuine sound of surprise in their mm. exchange between him and Bono after that quality session. Um, it sounded like in the kind of pre-session discussions, they'd have just been like, right, we're not going to get a poll this week. Like, we're, we're, we're hoping for maybe second. Yeah, but basically, I I honestly feel like they were going into that session thinking if they can get on the front row or get in between the Red Bulls or in some way, they would have taken that. And I think that that pole position did surprise them. Like, I think they almost felt lucky to be on the front row, let alone mm. pole position. It's um, um, so keeping yeah. predictions interesting, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, aside from that, do we think McLaren will still be the head of the the midfield chasing pack, or um, are we going to start seeing other teams closing the gap on them? I I think Ferrari will be one to keep an eye on this weekend. Like they they already looked what they were probably the next best after McLaren at the last race, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and they went pretty well at this track last year with a significantly worse car. Like Leclerc was fourth in quality fourth. and fourth in the race as well, actually. Yeah, he yeah. was last car on the lead lap. So I think it's going to be actually really tight between McLaren and Ferrari <laughs> this week. I mean, it feels weird to say, but it was one of a ha- only a handful of races Seb managed to score points in last yeah, year. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, I think those two are going to be really tight this weekend. I mean, having said that, um, McLaren didn't have a particularly bad weekend here last time out. No. Like, I mean, there was a point where good old Carlos Sainz. <laughs> I mean, if do you know what I was thinking about it? With the way that Carlos went here in the McLaren last year, I'm really interested to see how well he does here in yeah. the Ferrari. Because, like, it was... It, it was moments like how he dealt with those funky conditions of like it was raining but not raining. The track was wet, but like <laughs> it, it was it was a weird situation, yeah. and like he took full advantage of that while ever he could. And it would be interesting to see if he can do something similar in the Ferrari with the Ferrari being a little bit more competitive mm. this year. Speaking uh, of, I am um... same for Charles. To be fair. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I did check the weather and it looks like maybe a hint of rain Friday. Ooh. Less chance Saturday, <laughs> no. not <on> Sunday. <laughs> so it's very much looking like a dry race currently. Yeah. I mean, I guess that will again play into the um, 
was the weather a factor last year? Like, how good is this circuit to keep going back to? I'm optimistic. Yeah, me too. Because, I mean, it was far better race than I thought it would have been mm-hmm. last year. So I'm very optimistic. So it would be interesting to see how it holds up in the dry race. Um, you mentioned Ferrari. Um, we talked about how Ferrari might be a little bit closer. Um, but a battle that feels like it's almost further back at this point than <laughs> McLaren versus Ferrari is Bottas and, well, not necessarily Perez, but basically Bottas trying to keep up with Perez, like being in terms of that number two driver role. Like, where do you find, where do you feel like Bottas is at the moment? Being a Bottas fan, basically, <laughs> as well. I think, How do you feel? I feel like Bottas <laughs> is next to nowhere currently. I mean, it's weird. Like, last couple of seasons, we've got used to uh, the races where Verstappen had the car under him to do it. He was basically going it alone against the two Mercedes. Yeah. And so far this season, it's just, I mean, we're, again, we're only two races in, but it's very much been a one versus one Hamilton Verstappen dealio. So Mercedes and Red Bull very much need their other drivers to be getting into that fight at the front and making things a bit more interesting. Like, yeah, need, need the team, need the other driver to be uh, having their own way with it. They need that, you know, I hate to use the word, but they need that wingman in there to make things difficult and yeah. push them think- into difficult strategy decisions. The the difference I feel between the two, however, between when we're doing like a, a Perez to Bottas kind of comparison, I feel like Bottas is a man almost losing his grip on the the opportunity that he has, mm-hmm. whereas Perez I feel has been more unlucky than than at fault. I mean, I feel like it may be harsh on Bottas to say it's all his fault because it, it isn't. But I mean, this Bottas found him in, himself in a difficult position last race that he shouldn't have been in, and that is kind of like the whole thing was: why was he in a position where Russell was trying to overtake him yeah. in Williams that far back in the in the pack? You know, like why was he there to begin with? So yes, there is an element of bad luck in there, but there's you- also a very serious element of um, underperformance. I think. You also have to remember that Bottas has been with that team for how many years has it been now? Four, five? Yeah. Five. Per- 2016 was Rosberg's year, wasn't it? If I yeah, remember right. So 17, 18, 19, 20. So he's been four, four seasons now. Perez yeah. has spent three days of testing in that car and two race weekends. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel like we're potentially just going to start seeing a bit of a downward spiral for Bottas this season. If if things yeah. continue to not go his way, I I fear we're going to start to see him spiral, ending in him not getting a new contract for next season, to be completely honest. Yeah, I, I think he needs a significant upturn in results. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it feels very weird to be saying that so early in the season, but... He does. It's a very bad start to the season, really, by yeah. by Mercedes standards, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, they're a team that shoot after both constructors and drivers. And I mean, Ferrari have proven proven this plenty of times in the past. You can't win both if only one car is finishing in significant positions. Mm. You can, but then again, Ferrari on the flip side, 
have only ever really cared about the drivers. If you if 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 Ferrari won the drivers every year but lost the constructors every year, they probably wouldn't care. I don't yeah, think they'd be content with that. I think. Uh, whereas Mercedes are very different in that respect, mm-hmm. and for them to to win one and not the other would probably be seen as a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um... Or at least, uh, I mean, maybe not a failure, but <laughs> definitely like not good enough. Yeah. So. Mm. Now, I've mentioned it a little bit. Russell Bottas. Do we yeah. see them come together on track again? I mean... <laughs> what happens when they next come wheel to wheel? I don't think they probably meet anywhere near each other on track, but I'm really interested to see what is... Because obviously, every journalist out there is going to be asking more questions of the two of them and of yeah. Toto about that. So I'm interested to see... It's probably just going to be that they're all going to say the same thing and toe the line because there's been yeah some kind of sit down and talk but i don't know like it, it's that whole thing flared up at the last race and however much toto has tried to pour water on it it's still there waiting to ignite again like it, it's not yeah. going to take much in the rest of the season for that to flare up again i don't think yeah, definitely. I really leaned I, heavy into that fire metaphor then. <laughs> <laughs> Going full on. Um, I mean, I think that, like you say, it's maybe unlikely to see them in wheel-to-wheel combat um, throughout the season just because of the situations. But that, I mean, it does depend on how Bottas is performing. Mm-hmm. Because if he's falling back down and... and I mean... Uh, you've got to admit that that Williams didn't look all that bad compared to what it's been in recent years. No, not when at we all. were looking at it in um, Imola, it wasn't looking that bad. And I mean, both of them threw to Q two for the first time in ages. I can't remember what the I think it was Hungary was. last year, which was like the third race of last season. So, oh yeah, to be fair, they did yeah. manage it. Didn't but they? then before that, it had been quite a long time yeah. as well. So it's not a common occurrence, yeah. that's for sure. So, I mean, it can't be for me to be, like, thinking for it to have stuck out so much, but, mm-hmm. like, it, it's a significant thing that they've both made. Yeah, through, that car so. looks significantly better. Yeah. Interesting. Taking all that into account, Ugh. it's time for us to make predictions. Um, for those of you who are listening, maybe newer this season, or have just never gotten involved, you can head to backofthegrid.com where you can register to join in with Predictions League if you haven't done so before. Or um, you can sign into your old account if you uh, have been with us in previous seasons. Just a quick recap. We will predict the fastest driver from Q3, the winner of the race, the first DNF of the race, the number of finishers, and the finishing position of a random driver. Uh, Stu has been kind enough to give us his a little bit in advance because of not being able to be here which means me and Chris have had a little bit of foresight into who the random driver was rather than picking it on the fly. That being said, it's... I've not given it a second thought since I did it. <laughs> Neither have I. It's a really difficult one this week. So, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. So let's start with... Here's a question. How are we going to do this for those weekends that... We'll think about that. I'll think about that later. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> for sprint qualifying. That's, yeah. yeah, that's a problem for future us. Yeah. I mean, fastest in Q3 and winner of the Grand Prix does still work. That's true, actually, yeah. There's the just... little insignificance <laughs> of a sprint race in the middle. Maybe we'll need a bonus prediction those weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so fastest Q3. Chris, have you had any thoughts on this while we've been chatting? Yeah, I think... 
I think I'm going to go old, reliable Hamilton. Ooh. It's difficult for me. Like, I don't know if I want to go Hamilton or Verstappen. Um, I am torn between the two. I mean, I want to put it out there. Perez went kind of well in qualifying here last year, but not so well in the... Do you know what? I'm doing? I'm going to do it. Perez. Wow. I'm doing it. Bold. Perez for Paul, or at least fastest in Q3. <laughs> and then some kind of gearbox penalty <laughs> because he doesn't start there. <laughs> so, on to win. Stu's also gone Hamilton, by the way. For Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Clarifying, Stu has gone Hamilton. Uh, Stu's also gone a double ham, for that matter. He's going Hamilton on the win. I am going to say... Do you know what? He's going to take the lead of the drivers' championship. Is is Maxi Verstappen? I I I kind of hope it is, just so Crofty can say it's the first time he's led the drivers' championship and then stop saying it because every opportunity at oh. the moment is like, oh, he's never led the drivers' championship. But yeah, you've told us twenty-seven times today alone. So you want it to be that, but that's not your prediction. It is awesome, my prediction. I think Verstappen. Oh, yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> Ooh, I like the mix here. So we've got me, Perez, Paul, Verstappen win. You, Hamilton, fastest in Q3, Verstappen win. And then Stu on the very classic double ham. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, this could play out one way or the other very significantly. Yeah. Okay, DNF. Is there any point in anyone saying anything other than that person? No, I don't <laughs> want to just say the same name every week, so I'm going to mix okay. it up a bit. Um, okay, who are you going with? I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but first DNF last time in Portugal was Lance Stroll. The only one, in fact. It was the only retirement yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Who's it going to be this year? Um... I think it's going to be Esteban Ocon. Ooh, interesting. I am going to go with said driver's teammate just just because Fernando. I actually Alonso. nearly said Alonso, but I I don't know. Alonso's got a knack of just like keeping going no matter what. <laughs> I'm just got one of those horrible feelings that like it won't even be his fault. Somebody's just going to take him out. Um, potentially one Mazaspin who Stu has gone for mm-hmm. as first DNF. Do you know what? If they if if that ends up being anything like what I've just said, like Mazaspin into Alonso, <laughs> and it's classified the other way around <laughs> because Mazaspin is behind Alonso at the time, which is going to be the most likely scenario. Yes. I'm going to be so angry. Unless he has the start of his life. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, when Latifi took himself out, it wasn't actually a Mazaspin's no, fault. No, not at all. I will, I will grant that one, but he's just always involved. He's <laughs> not the, the perpetrator. Um, anyway, moving on to number of finishers. Stu has gone with 16 here, which is a good faithful number. Um, that, I mean, it's a pretty common result, but... I'm I'm thinking back to last year's race. Uh, I'm thinking that we might have 
more finishes. I think you're pretty... about to say the same name number that I've got in mind. Oh well, it's a pretty open track, so I mean, there's not many walls you're going to hit, and so on and so forth. So I'm going 18 because I'm going Mazda Spin and Alonso into each other, <laughs> and then they're the only DNF. So 18. I also had 18 in mind. That feels yeah. right to me. And then we mentioned that we'd already drawn the random driver. That is George Russell this week. So. Stu, interestingly, has gone with Russell in tenth. Wow, that now, is a I mean, big. I feel pick. that's bold. That's. I I think this this could go one way or the other for George because it's either like he now has the drive of his life after what happened last week to just prove that, like, kind of with a point to prove of that wasn't me. I and I can, you know, perform. I'm going to score these points that Williams are so close to getting right now, or. He's going to go terribly, <laughs> and he's going to finish somewhere near the back, and Bottas will win the race, and everyone will be like, "See, look." So, I I really don't know where to put him. I think tenth is too high, personally. For I Stu. do too. Especially, I mean, where was he in Bahrain? Four. He was fourteenth with yeah. in a race with two retirements. And I mean, to be fair, last year here he finished fourteenth as well. Oh. I might have just made my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like seeing patterns. I mean, are you going to say 14th, Chris? Because if you are, I'll change it. If I'm you're not, gonna I'm going to say it. 15th. I'm going to regret letting you have the choice. I'm going to so say you're... less optimistic. He'll finish ahead of his teammates in the two Hasses and one yeah. of the retirement. Mm, so I've said two retirements, haven't I? So maybe I should say. Oh, no, I'll, I mean, I'll stick yeah. to my guns. 15th. Yeah, okay. I'm going 14th, and Stewards, we say, had already gone 10th. So that is that. That is us. Uh, as I said before, if you want to join in, backofthegrid.com and register on there. Um, and remember, like, even if you're not joined in at any point, I know we're still early in the season, but you can join in at any time, and it's always worth doing because there is a prize for anyone who scores a perfect five across a race weekend. And then there's a prize at the end of the season for the overall champion. So be sure to get involved ASAP. And it's good to see cause like so many people joining in now. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, the numbers are huge. Love it. Yeah. Doesn't bode well for my position at the end of the season. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. True. Um, should we do some inbox? Let's. Keep it safe now. But stay Hey, man. I purposely stayed quiet this time because <laughs> I think it was Wesley who thought we'd act, we'd like cut the laugh out at the we'll end of that. Cut I, the laugh out. I swear I'll never do it. I will never do it. <laughs> uh, I'll start us off. Uh, speaking of Wesley Paul says, "Oh, from what I've gathered, Valtteri is essentially getting a new car. Do you think this might give him a psychological boost as the previous car just wasn't performing?" Hmm. I mean, you do hear that sometimes, don't you? Like, a driver's complaining about the car and the team say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's identical to the your teammate's car, but they keep complaining. So can they give them a new chassis and they're a lot happier. Can you remember this situation brewing very similarly with Grosjean a few years ago at Haas? Yeah. Where, where it was like, the brakes are terrible. The brakes are terrible. I just can't do with the brakes. And then I think they moved him to Brembo brakes. And then he had like a brake failure or something. <laughs> he was like, these brakes are terrible. These brakes are terrible. So they moved him back to whatever they were using yeah, before. Yeah, because there was a time and when he just two, never made a difference. The two Haskars were in different brakes, weren't they, at one point? Yeah. 
Yeah, I forgot yeah, about because that. Because Grosjean was so adamant that there was a problem with them and he wasn't comfortable with them. I mean... <sighs> I mean, he also thought Ericsson hit him one time. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I don't know. Don't know who to believe. I don't know. I think I think Bottas needs all the help he can get right now. So if if a new car helps him feel a bit better, then yeah. I mean, if it gives him a psychological boost, as Wesley is suggesting, then all power to him because he needs that right now. I think yep. if that's what gives it him, as I say, all power to him. Uh, Ryan F1 says, do you think Carlos is the dark horse of the season so far? He's been right on pace with Ferrari prodigy Leclerc and seems to be on the cusp of outracing him. If you had to predict, where do you see him after his two-year deal at Ferrari is over? Ooh. I mean, I'd say still there. Unless he suddenly has some kind of huge dip in performance this season or next, I can't see him like wanting to go anywhere else in terms of the teams. I think ultimately it's down to Mick Schumacher. If, True. If Mick either is in a Haas next year that they've really worked on is a decent car or they bump him over to Alpha, if, ha- if uh, Mick Schumacher can have a season or two like Leclerc did at Alfa Romeo, then Sainz might be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, no matter how well he's performed. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, what's what's Leclerc's contract these days? I can't remember what oh, his last contract was. Oh, it's ludicrous, isn't it? It's, it's like a five-year deal or something. It's like it? the what's longest contract a Ferrari driver has ever had. Yeah, insane. Um, um, I am going to find it while we're talking. Um but yeah, I, like that's that's the unfortunate like crux of it, isn't it? Basically, the fact that Leclerc is on such a long deal. End of twenty twenty four is Leclerc's contract. Oh, there you go. Um, so, but with him being on such a long deal, even if science is performing strongly, I mean, I guess they could get out of it. It's not beyond the realms of possibility to just basically buy Leclerc out of his contract, I guess. I guess, but, but I think he'd have I to really... I just can't see it. No. That, like, yeah, I just can't see it. Ferrari, he, he is the Ferrari guy. Like, they're building around yeah. him right now. Yeah. Um. That being said, though, I do think Sainz, how close Sainz has been to Leclerc this quickly, like, he's still a chunk off, but considering he's in a new, brand new car, brand new team... I've been impressed with how quickly he's got up to speed with it. And yeah, 100%. I can't say I'm hugely surprised because I think he's a very, very good driver. He, in fact, yeah. he was our driver of the season a couple of seasons ago, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and that's, as we said at the time, probably why Ferrari decided to sign him. Um, yeah. Well, because we gave yeah, him yeah, driver yeah. of the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We gave him the season and a few months later, it's like, oh, I signed with Ferrari. Like, yeah. I can assure you, this is one podcast Ferrari will not want to listen to the opinions of. <laughs> Even if we did praise their future driver, the rest of the things we say, <laughs> Ferrari do not want to hear. <laughs> uh, next, yeah. Garrett says, we know Ricardo took some time to perform in the Renault. Do you think that's the case with the McLaren or is Norris just that much better? I mean, I, I think I... Vaguely remember saying that I think they'll be quite close to each other, and that the difference would be the fact that Norris has obviously had time to kind of bed into the the team, the car, 
and get experience with with that combination. And he he probably feels quite comfortable in that team now at this point. Um, so honestly, I would expect Ricardo to be getting the same sort of results as Lando eventually. Um, but I mean, I think that he, the reason he struggled a little bit at Renault was that car was nowhere near the standard of the Red Bull, in my opinion, from an aero no. perspective, at, the, at least at the time. It was nowhere near. And what I remember seeing is when he first moved to Renault, we saw a lot of like lockups and essentially like breaking mistakes, I guess you would put mm-hmm. them down as from Ricardo. And that was just purely the fact that um, that car couldn't do what he could get away with in the Red Bull. And we, we've always known him as the one of the latest of breakers. Yeah. And I think he was trying to achieve the same thing in the Renault and he just couldn't yeah. do it. I think the McLaren is far more capable of that from the kind of moves that we've seen both Lando and then Carlos in the past pull off. And I think he will get there. He's just got to just get himself comfortable with the team well, in the car. So after the last race, he like by his own admission, he said he just wasn't fast that race. And he said he's still learning to trust the car and maybe it is almost like a year or two in a lesser car he's almost having to like relearn what a better car he's capable of doing and lean on it um i mean even when it's not a championship winning car i would say being in a car like a red bull for a driver like ricardo who is that kind of very late on the brakes dairy move kind of driver it's probably difficult to come away from that and suddenly not have it and I think to a degree, maybe, I don't think it's the entire root of Seb's problems, but I think there's a degree of that. Seb left Red Bull and never had, I mean, there was definitely a time at Ferrari where he did not have any confidence in that car. Mm-hmm. And you could see that with the amount of mistakes he made or, or like, you know, little spins he was having and stuff. There was, there, there was definitely a lack of confidence. So maybe there is something, there must be something about that, that chassis that, instills this confidence in those kind of drivers and it's probably difficult to come away from and not have and and fingers crossed by i don't know race five i'd expect to see him going toe-to-toe with lando Mm -hmm. it's a good point that paul just made in the live chat as well i think the lack of pre-season testing has hurt him i think yeah that's this this year more than ever has been especially difficult for drivers changing teams because they've just had so yeah. little time in the new car. Um, yeah, definitely. But to Lando's credit, like I know this is only his third third season yeah. F1, um, but like having a new teammate, someone like Danny Rick is the biggest test he's had so far. And so far, again, we're only two races in, but so far he's like really stepped up to that challenge. Like Norris is... Yeah, he's, he definitely seems to have like gone to another level this season so far. He's he's always been one like we've talked about it before. Like like I've I've seen that <laughs> that guy go through from the lowest junior formulas after karting to where he is now, and it, it, there's always been this like little thing about like this this little aura around him where you've thought this kid's got that potential, mm-hmm. but. I mean, from my own admission, from watching him, although I thought he had this potential, you you didn't necessarily always see just like a pure raw talent like you sometimes do, like maybe you've Verstappen or your Hamilton or, or or something like that. But I'll tell you what, he has honed his racecraft 
so quickly yeah. in F1. Really has. Like he's he's always been good in junior formulas, but I don't think I've ever seen him this good and this confident as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge part of it is that confidence that he's now got. Yeah. Um, I, I think he was learning it in F2. I think F2 is where it started to reach its like kind of that that point of he will go far. But since he's been in that McLaren, he's running the show. Because <laughs> like coming out of the F2 season, like although he was in the championship fight to the end, like over the season, George Russell quite handily beat Like Russell was yeah. definitely the better of the two of them. And I think their first season F1, I would still have said that. Now, I mean, obviously it's difficult to compare the two of them because they're in very different cars, but I don't think I'd find it as easy to pick the better driver of the two of them now. Yeah. So Norris has improved in his years in F1 massively, yeah. which is not to say Russell hasn't, but I think they're very close these days. And I, I think that should, but that's another thing that I think it bodes well for Danny Rick is the fact that to, like, to see Lando have the confidence in the car, it should, in theory, give Danny Rick the hope that mm. it's the, it's there. What he's looking for is there. He's just got to trust the car and feel at home with it. Yeah, he is in a podium potential car now. And yeah. it's, it's a matter of time before we see him on the podium. This I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, come on, he got on the podium with the Renault last well, year. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, so he should be able to do in the McLaren. He should be able to do it in that, I would hope. Yeah. Um. Russ Williams says, uh, given the personnel changes announced recently, do we think that the Honda engine becomes a Red Bull one next year uh, and that it'll maintain... Oh, sorry, will it maintain or even improve in competitiveness? It's interesting, isn't it? Like, So they, they're going to be maintaining that engine for the next... Is it two or three years, I think, before the next engine formula comes in? Yeah. Um, so... But, like, how quickly, I guess, do they start tinkering and trying to improve themselves? You know, at what point do they have the confidence that we're not just going to keep building the same thing over again, we're actually going to try something new with it? Um, Because obviously right now they're working towards being in a position to be able to build their own uh, power units for the next engine formula. But if they keep making hires like this new one they've made and keep building their facilities that way, I I maybe would expect them in a couple of years' time to actually start trying things themselves sooner than planned and yeah. just add some bit, you know, tinker with this Honda Power unit and make some changes and stuff. The, 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 I guess the thing would be is um, how much they are able to do to that degree given the freezers that they had implemented. Yeah, true. For for them to remain part of it and, and obviously keep the... Yeah, that's a so, good point. Like, there's obviously a limitation. Yes, there'll be tokens at use for improvements and things, but they are going to be limited. So I don't think we're just going to see, like... I don't think we're just going to see, like, some sudden development that, that puts them into the position of having the best power unit. But what I think these... Um, personnel changes are kind of leading towards is just trying to get the most out of what they have because we've seen it's not a bad engine it's it's a very good engine with a huge amount of potential and i think they're just trying to eke out the very best they can from it and with given those restrictions that that's going to say like there's a development freeze on engines for the next few years but 
we all know F1 well enough to know that just because there's a development freeze, it does not mean they're still going to be finding ways to eke more performance out of these power units. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the final question this week from Adam, who do you think is under more pressure at the moment, Vettel or Bottas? I'd say Bottas. Out of the two, Bottas. Like Aston Martin, I think, know that they've not got the best car this year and they appear to have lost performance compared to last year. I mean, they won't shut up about how the rules have hurt them. So I think that they're already deflecting any, well, not any, but they're, they're deflecting some of the blame away from Vettel. Bottas, unfortunately, is falling down the order in a car that is sitting on pole and winning races and fighting for the lead of races. So I I think if if Stroll was doing the same thing as what Lewis Hamilton is doing in the Aston Martin, then there'd definitely be more questions around Vettel. Yeah. But I think that if you are comparing those two side by side, Bottas is under more pressure and Bottas is underperforming more than Vettel is. To be honest, I don't think Vettel's under any pressure. I, the most pressure Vettel's under is probably for himself. Like, yeah, yeah. They they got rid of arguably one of the better drivers on the grid because they wanted Vettel in their team. Mm-hmm. From what we know, he's on a multi-year deal. Um, he's not going anywhere. Like, they they wanted him. They went after him. They yeah. made room for him. He's, I don't think he's under any pressure whatsoever. I'd agree. Other than that, he is putting on himself, and he's not—he's never been one for reading the headlines and nope. And see, like that—I I think sometimes that can be Bottas's biggest downfall. We hear a lot of this, like to whom it may concern mm. stuff and whatever, and it—we it, we hear him talk about like, uh, well, someone made a comment on Instagram, and yeah, I was proving a point to that point, like. He really seems to focus in on those comments, and Vettel is quite the opposite. Like he stays away from social media for the for the most part. He doesn't buy into uh, the the media sort of uh, whatever you want to call it, like the circus of mm-hmm. that whole like trying to drum up a story out of nothing and yeah. things like that. Like, and he is quite level headed in that degree. And I think that I think. They've, they've both got problems, but the different ones. Like Vettel is putting too much pressure on himself. Maybe needs to give himself a break and find that confidence in himself that he had when early days at Ferrari mm-hmm. and when he was at Red Bull and when he was at Toro Rosso before that. And Bottas maybe needs to delete Instagram for a while and stop reading. He really does. Like the armchair correspondence, like us saying he's yeah. Like he's done his career's over. Focus on, <laughs> focus on himself a bit more. Yeah. I, I think if he blocked some of that stuff out, he might actually see an improvement. Yeah, I'm to surprised be honest. there's no one around him giving him that advice, honestly. Mm. I mean I'm not I'm not saying this has anything to do with it, but one of the things I was kind of disappointed to see is his new girlfriend or whatever kind of status they're at these days. <laughs> She was kind of on the same lines of, yeah, there's these really nasty people on Instagram and they're really picking on him and it's it's affecting him. 
all that's going to do is rile up those people that are trying to troll yeah, Valtteri totally. Bottas to do it more. It's going to have the the exact opposite effect of what she probably genuinely was hoping was like a good hard thing to say. These people are picking on him, and it's not very nice. Like they're just going to go at him harder. Um, and I think the best thing is just just get rid of it. Yeah, or like, get rid just, of it. Ignore everyone, or just at least ignore it. Yeah, like yeah, fair enough. Do the social media post because there's like an obligation to be present for brand representation and so on. But I mean, work with the social media team to like put a post together, but then let them handle it and like just don't deal with it yourself. Like, especially when you get like Lewis obviously manages to block out all that kind of negativity and just focus on the positivity, but. I can imagine that there are times where all he does is just switch those notifications off and just take time away yeah, from it. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, I think that's maybe Valter's mm. biggest downfall at the minute, getting in his own head because of those kind of comments. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, bon- bonus question from Roxy in the live chat. Do you oh, think, yeah? Do you think Lando would ever move teams? Oh, I think it'd take a lot. I think it would take a lot. Um, don't don't we think he was never confirmed? But don't we think he's got some kind of link to Mercedes these days? He, he had some kind of Mercedes management, yeah, management, didn't he? Like I, I don't believe for a second he'd ever jump George Russell in that queue. But no, I think I think with Lando, McLaren will have to be careful. Because if he keeps performing the way he is, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Mercedes is probably the only team ahead of McLaren at the minute that would probably come looking. Mm-hmm. Like, unless things go incredibly wrong with uh, Carlos Sainz and Mick Schumacher, Ferrari don't have any real need for Lando. No. Um, and although they have taken Perez from outside the program into the Red Bull system, I don't think they'd make that a habit unless it went extremely well this time around. But it kind of negates the whole, like, point of their junior teams and and Alpha Tauri and and so on. So I, I think that if any team were going to come looking, it would be... Mercedes, but I mean, there is an argument to say that given a, a short amount of time, you may end up with Russell moving to Mercedes to <laughs> to to replace Bottas, and then within another year or two, Lewis deciding enough's enough, and I want I want my own time now, mm-hmm. and then you've suddenly got a huge seat to fill if that car is still performing yeah. the way that it does currently, and. It, for me, he's like a prime candidate for that. Yeah. But it depends where McLaren are at that time. Like it McLaren, does, yeah. if McLaren are up there with Red Bull and, and Mercedes, and and that is the kind of fight that I hope McLaren mm-hmm. are in, I think you would have the loyalty to stay. Yeah, I think so. The, the other possibility is if Verstappen decides to leave Red Bull. Yeah. Because the, the day that happens, you might as well just throw the entire grid up in the air and just see where everyone lands because that's going to be <laughs> yeah. chaos when he decides to switch teams. That's going to be the silliest of silly seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, does that? I hope that answers Roxy's question, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, as, I mean, from a selfish point of view, I hope he stays where he is. Yeah, because me too. 
as we've talked about many times, we are McLaren fans for the most part, <laughs> even though we do <laughs> appreciate other teams. That is like my go-to team. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that is it for this week. So thank you to everyone who has joined us live from Discord. Um, if you want to get involved with that, the easy way to do so is being part of our Patreon. So you can head to patreon.com slash back of the grid. And there are details there. I mean, we, we have tiers of all different scale and there's different things available for different ones. Um, there's access to like some little like sort of snippets from recordings and things that don't always make the final cut, little things like that. And then obviously the, the yeah, being part of the Discord to be able to sort of chat along live and, and throw questions at us that are on topic because we're talking about something. Yeah. Which is always cool. Two mini series uh, in the works as well that are coming yeah. extremely soon. Yeah. I know we keep saying this, but it's been a it's been a, <laughs> a weird few weeks for the three of us, but we are nearly yeah. there with them. It's been chaos, but <laughs> we are getting there. Uh, but yeah, and obviously thanks to um everyone who is already supporting us on there. Um Chris I've done a terrible thing and forgotten to get the list of all of our top tier our team uh, principles. Team principles. I mean, I know about... I know Wesley Paul is one of them, but do you have the rest? I'm sorry. Our team principles: Wesley Paul, Narayan Hamari, and Mark McNeil. Is that who you're talking about? That's the ones. <laughs> Thanks. Smooth. Um, I mean, we we appreciate obviously everyone at every level, but that is one of the many perks of being team principal level is yeah, exactly. you get your name read out every week <laughs> while you're a team principal <laughs> so congrats um, yeah if you want to follow us just in general on socials uh, it's back of the grid F1 on Twitter you can find us on Facebook as well just searching for back of the grid and we are on Instagram but it tends to just be a post of the, <laughs> the logo every so often these days I mean we yeah, we're not very good follow, at Instagram <laughs> follow Instagram if you want but we don't do pictures very good so you can if if Instagram is your <laughs> thing, you can definitely send us inbox there. Yeah, that 100%, works. Hundred percent. And as we've talked about already in the show, remember to head to backofthegrid.com. There is a contact us form there if you don't do social media and you just want to get in touch that way. Uh, and obviously, there is predictions that you can register for too. Um, but that is it for this week, I think, isn't it, Chris? We've covered everything. Yep. Cool. We did good. Um, fingers crossed, you'll be back with us for the review. Hopefully all his internet will have been installed in the next seven days. Fingers crossed. Uh, But yeah, everyone enjoy the Portuguese Grand Prix. And we will see you next week to go through it all. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.